0: Welcome to episode four of Culture Pop. I'm Allie, your host, and you can find me on Twitter at Kali Allie, Allie. Allie. <laughs> Just kidding. It's just two Allies. Allie Allie. Uh, before I jump into Better Call Saul and The Leftovers, I wanted to talk about some of the new stuff that's coming to Netflix this month. Some shows or movies that I'm really excited about. So on Friday, May 12th, which is today... The season two of Master of None comes out. That's a series based off of Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance, which is a great book if you haven't got a chance to read it. It's really funny and it deals with love and and dating in the modern age now with things like social media and apps like Tinder and things like that. Super interesting. Uh, Season one was really funny. So I'm really excited to binge on season two and season two takes place in Italy which is great and Aziz Ansari actually moved to Italy to do some research on you know the lifestyle in Italy and what the food and things like that there Tracy Morgan's got a stand-up coming out on May 16th I think I've only really watched him on 30 Rock and Saturday Night Live but he was really funny on 30 Rock and I really loved that show so I'm hoping his stand-up is just as funny Speaking of 30 Rock, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is coming back for season three on May 19th. That's a show done by Tina Fey and some of the 30 Rock crew. And finally, the ever so powerful Frank Underwood returns on May 30th for season five of House of Cards. You know, I was talking to my parents the other day and they mentioned that watching House of Cards was almost less chaotic than actually watching the news. Hmm probably less scary too anyway those are just some of the shows that are coming this month to netflix there's obviously a ton more there they release stuff every single day oh bloodline is also i think this is their third and final season i actually really liked season one of bloodline and then it just got really slow for me and I couldn't keep, I couldn't just, I couldn't focus on it and I didn't like it anymore. I didn't watch all of season two. I might give it a chance again. I don't know. I'll let you guys know. But season three is coming out sometime in May. I didn't get the date on that, but I will find out. Anyway, let's move on to The Leftovers. Okay, so episode 4 was titled "Good Day Melbourne." I don't have a really good Australian accent, so I won't do that for you. I won't I won't put you through that torture. But what a heartbreaking episode. It's Friday and I'm legit still feeling sad over this episode. The episode's opening song was called "This Love Is Over" and that's exactly what it was for Kevin and Nora. With just 6 days until the 7-year anniversary, the end to their crazy toxic codependent relationship, just as Nora put it, came to a surprise for me. Only because I feel like they were both comfortable being emotionally distant with each other all the time. But it was like Kevin had to chase Nora to Australia and that Nora didn't even want him there. You know, remember the scene where they were going through the TSA and the agent even asked if they were together. And then there was a bit of hesitation from both of them. But I think Kevin's hesitation was more for being from being unsure if Nora was going to answer the question and how she was going to answer the question. And Nora just did that eyebrow raise thing you do when you don't want to say anything. It was really awkward. Uh, and then she went through global entry, didn't wait for Kevin. It was like he wasn't even there. It, it, she wasn't thinking about him. And then to drop some creepy ass line like, oh, I'll see you on the other side. What is your problem, Nora Durst? We obviously know whose side I'm on. I'm team Thoreau, team Justin Thoreau. I'm team Kevin. But Carrie Coon is a great actress. I've been carried away this whole series. You see what I did there? I'm just team Kevin. Anyway, I get it, though. I get why she was being so weird. Nora had other things on her mind. She had other things on her body, like $20,000 cash. By law, you're not allowed to travel outside of the U.S. with more than $10,000 cash. Okay, great, but why didn't you just communicate your plan to Kevin? Because he obviously would have helped her. She's just, she's lost her mind. Also, she borrowed Kevin's duct tape that he uses for his bag tricks. Was that Nora just trying to be funny? Maybe she's asking him to be as understanding as she was in regards to him bagging himself with the duct tape and stuff. I don't know. I can't be so hard on Nora. Maybe she just wasn't thinking about Kevin even being there with her, even though he said he wanted to come and he was obviously there with her. She just couldn't tell him not to go with her. She couldn't just be like, no, I don't want you to come with me because it would look weird. and It would sound weird or whatever. But this trip was all about her and zero to do with Kevin she's so selfish and I feel like she's been selfish this entire series which is okay because Kevin was okay with it for a while up until the end when she was like why didn't you stop me from giving away Lily but why would you say that if you've been doing everything on your own this whole time if you never even bothered to ask him how he felt about it I don't know but wait there's more so Kevin thinks he saw Evie a girl that he thought was Evie and You know, I picked up on the fact that it wasn't Evie when Kevin texted the photo to Lori. And we never actually got to see what photo Lori saw. Kevin has just, he's just lost his mind, man. It was also creepy when Kevin noticed her on the TV screen. It wasn't so creepy that the TV shut off, though, because he had just called to have it reset. So that wasn't that crazy. But speaking of TVs, back to the episode, International Assassin... The TV in that hotel room wasn't working properly for Kevin either. Anyway. Back in Australia, he was supposed to be napping. What a crazy thing to not have any control over your own mind. There had to have been some kind of trigger for him, something that set him off and made him stare at the TV and see Evie. Oh, maybe it was maybe it was that he was reading the book of Kevin. He was reading these Bible verses about himself, and he was kind of reminiscing of all these things that have happened to him that's crazy man what a crazy thing to you don't have any control over over your mind that's insane to me maybe blame it on the jet lag too maybe it was this combination of things and I thought it was great that Lori came to the rescue for him never tell a crazy person that they're crazy I wonder why Kevin told her about the book of Kevin it, it sounded very really spiteful in his voice like why don't you ask John about the book he wrote about me why did he say it like that Anyway, let's backtrack a little and talk about the 119 people that supposedly went through the radiation. Nora said that she looked them all up and they're all unaccounted for. As Nora is explaining this to Kevin, he's like, well, those people had to have gone somewhere. And then Nora's like, no, not if they're being cremated. So in other words, Kevin's got this ideology, or he's somewhat of a believer in that if you die, you go somewhere. You go to heaven or you go to hell. In Nora's case, people are just being killed and, and cremated and they're going nowhere. My biggest issue with Nora in this scene is how she tried to play this whole thing off as just a work trip. But it was so obvious that, I mean, I guess obvious to the audience that she was really just trying to go I think she was going to go through with this for real she didn't actually want to go as a fraud investigator she was there to try and qualify and I think she really wants to see her kids again and this is just something that she's been carrying this entire season Um, since I mean she's been carrying it the whole time but I think having Lily all of last season kind of helped her through all that but the problem is, is that she, she wasn't honest with Kevin. And she tried to cover it up as a work thing, even though he knew that she had no jurisdiction in Australia. I also think that Kevin is starting to believe that he is as holy as they say he is. Why else bring the book with him to Australia? Only to burn it later in the episode while he and Nora are having that terrible breakup fight. When Nora read part of the book to Kevin out loud to see if he if he actually did read the whole thing as he claimed She happened to read the part where Kevin pushed young Patty into the well. And Nora is so surprised that her brother could come up with such crazy stories. And little does she know that it's all true. What did you guys think about that random lady with the baby while Nora waited for the bus? First of all, why would a mother just leave her kid with a total stranger? (sighs) Probably just the universe trying to fuck with an already stressed out Nora. Secondly... Why would you just take a random baby, Nora? You have shit to do. So why would you just take someone's baby? Why? Get your shit together, Nora. So once Nora got to this radiation plant, and by radiation plant, I mean like an abandoned warehouse, super creepy abandoned warehouse, Dr. Eden was playing Take On Me on the piano. That song's played three different times in this episode, by the way. And every time I hear that song, I think of the music video. It's a video, like half live action, half illustration, and a, the woman is pu- in the video is pulled into a comic book, and then the video turns into a story about a couple finding love while living in two very different worlds. So this lady, Dr. Eden, was speaking Dutch to Dr. Becker, and it turns out that these creeps know everything about Nora, including her pre-existing IUD. You see what I did there? I found it interesting how the chamber to simulate the procedure really resembles a coffin. Hmm. Even more interesting that Nora's heart rate remains very even and calm the whole time. Because she's not afraid to die. I think she really wants to escape. And I, I really think that her main goal right now, she's lying to her kids. That is the only thing she's seeing. I love how Dr. Eden tried to sell uh, the idea that some of the, their of their colleagues actually went through. How the hell would you know unless they communicated with you? Like, how? It's also kind of funny that they have Dr. Becker there to play uh, the cynic. She's very cynical. Why is she there if they're trying to convince people to go through? And then that question, would you sacrifice a twin if the other other would find the cure for cancer? Why didn't they take Nora when she said yes? And then they didn't take that guy in the desert from the last episode when he said no. So I read somewhere the actual answer that they're looking for here is I don't care. I guess it's because you're not supposed to care so much about your current world right now. You're so focused on getting out of this world that you don't care if someone gets cancer if someone doesn't get cancer, if someone can find the cure for cancer. Your main goal should be where you're going. I don't know. So weird. They could be right. They could be wrong. I don't know if that's the actual answer, but that's what I read. I also read, and this one I agree with a little more than the I don't care answer, is that this is some kind of sick joke. And they don't ever take anybody. And they're just... They're bullshitting people. And I don't know what the point of this would be, but maybe just to fuck with people's heads. I don't know. My favorite scene in this episode... It was definitely the end. Shit really hit the fan between Kevin and Nora. Nora was already on edge, and Kevin just had to push her over it. When she got back from being rejected, when he said that he started seeing dead people again, Nora was already freaking out about her own shit. And... you know, as much as Nora tried to play it off as, as a joke, she was really upset about the book of Kevin. I feel like they're both looking for answers, but they don't want to talk about anything. They don't communicate. And that's what it comes down to, this entire argument. And Kevin says it. It's like they use sex. Every time they're going to talk about something serious, they start boning. They're not really communicating in a healthy way. I mean, that's a form of communication, but they're not talking about anything. They're not getting anything out. They don't know anything about each other's days or lives. And Kevin is so scared to talk about what happened with Nora because the last time he told her that he was seeing a dead person, she left him. And She didn't stick by him when he needed her the most. She left him at his most vulnerable state. I mean, how could she blame him for not telling her? I did think it was really insensitive of Kevin to tell Nora to get over losing her kids. Oh, and the opera song in the background was perfect. So the kicker uh, to the end of this episode was Kevin Jr. running into his dad, Kevin Sr., outside of the hotel. And I guess there was an explosion. I didn't hear or see an explosion. Um, all flights have been had been grounded and there weren't any cabs at the hotel. I'm kind of nervous about Kevin Jun- Sr. taking um, Jr. back to Grace's house because I think they're going to drown him. <laughs> And I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I'm not sure that it's a great idea that they're both together right now, especially since Kevin Jr. is in that crazy emotional state where he doesn't know what's real and what's not anymore. I'm really sad that the show's almost ending, but I read somewhere that the creators are thinking of bringing back Lost. So I don't know. We'll see about that. on to Better Call Saul. Episode 5, which was called Chicanery, which is a fancy word for trickery. That's what's going on in our nation right now. There's a lot of Chicanery going on. Not to be confused with Chicano, which is a Mexican person. Anyway, we headed back to a flashback where Jimmy was at Chuck's house having dinner with Rebecca and Chuck. And finally, We get to see where Chuck's, quote unquote, allergy to electronics actually came from. Uh, During that scene after dinner, Rebecca answered a phone call from one of her bandmates. And as she paced back and forth, we watched as Jimmy was like staring at Chuck and Chuck was just cringing. He's just in a lot of pain from what it seemed like. I feel like it was pain, but I also I kind of read it as uh, jealousy Like he was mad gel of whoever he was talking, whoever Rebecca was talking to on the other line. Um, Maybe his illness is a response to um, his divorce with Rebecca. And Rebecca didn't even know at this point that anything was wrong. So he had been hiding it from her for a long time, even after the divorce. I'm positive that Chuck's disease is almost entirely maybe triggered emotionally, triggered by stress or things like that but i don't think that it's an actual physical disease that he actually feels electricity over on kim's side present day th- there's a scene where kim revealed to Meso Verde, her clients that chuck has taken legal action against her partner jimmy I really think Kim is so brave. She's such an amazing, amazing character. She really could have easily not said anything and just wrote it out without letting her clients know. Since the allegations had nothing to do with Kim. And even though Mesa Verde's name is involved in the allegations, they're not really involved as a party. Uh, but she told them anyway. And she was even willing to help them find you know, someone else to represent them if they didn't feel comfortable with her handling their case. Yeah. <sighs> But luckily for Kim, she's already proven herself. I mean, she sleeps at work, so I, she better be good, right? You know, they told her, hey, don't worry about it. I wonder if this is going to bite her in the ass later. I wonder if this is going to come back to her and, and really screw things up for her. Anyway, over in Chuck and Howard's psychotic world, the two went to check out the electronic-free courtroom, quote-unquote. Uh, and given all the measures that have been taken in order for Chuck to feel comfortable, Howard advised Chuck, you know, you don't have to testify. And I... I think Howard's angle is that you know, his job is to protect the reputation, the reputation of their firm, of HHM. Even though Jimmy altered legal documents, those documents were under Chuck's supervision while he was sick. So the blame is still kind of on Chuck here because he wasn't, I mean, why weren't those documents put in a secure place? Why, you know, your brother, obviously Jimmy, had access to your house and access to these files. So, you know, they weren't uber protected the way that he thought they were. So it's not all jimmy's fault even though jimmy took it a step further and did some bad things but chuck is stubborn he's not worried about this firm's reputation he could care less he's more concerned with making sure that his brother jimmy never practices law again because chuck sucks as a brother and as a person let justice be done though the heavens fall who talks like that There was a great montage of Kim and Jimmy getting ready together right before the beginning of the much-anticipated court scene. I enjoyed watching them work as a team again. Um, The point of Kim's opening statement was to illustrate the already damaged relationship between Chuck and Jimmy. And the prosecution's first witness was Howard, and Kim Wexler nailed it here. She went over Howard's relationship to Jimmy, and you could tell that Howard really doesn't have anything against Jimmy. I think... Um, he's just better friends with Chuck and Chuck is a partner at the firm so whatever Chuck says he's gonna pay more attention to and put more weight on and then she asked Howard why Jimmy wasn't hired at the firm after Howard clearly stated that he thought highly of Jimmy and and Jimmy's work ethic Um, but Howard's excuse was that the firm wanted to avoid nepotism funny the firm is called Hamlin Hamlin McGill which Kim quickly pointed out. And the other Hamlin is actually Howard's father. So avoiding nepotism, my ass. Chuck was the partner who was most concerned with nepotism. So Chuck is always putting a block on Jimmy. Because Chuck is a shitty brother and an even shittier person. What made me hate him more was the scene where he was literally rehearsing his testimony. He was actually rehearsing how to act like he loves his brother he was playing a role again how do you do that to family man oh and they played the tape recording of jimmy and chuck i really felt for kim here because her face while that tape played really made me cringe this is just such a mess for everybody. So when Chuck arrived to the court, a man purposely bumped into Chuck. That man you might remember from Breaking Bad. His name is Huel, and he is awesome. Uh, I'm hoping he's going to be back for a while, but obviously because he works with Saul at some point, And I'm, I'm guessing this is the beginning of their relationship. But he bumped into Chuck, and he snuck a battery into Chuck's front pocket. So Chuck was saying that he has this, ele- this allergy to electricity, but he didn't feel his sensitivity to electricity then when that battery was in his pocket. He didn't feel it the entire time. You want to know why? Because Chuck is insane. It sucks that Jimmy had to be the one to embarrass his brother like that, but they're playing very dirty games with each other, and in the end, no one's going to end up winning. Well, maybe Jimmy, but I'm curious to find out what happens to Chuck, especially after this final scene where Chuck has a total meltdown. It was both amazing and cringe-worthy all at the same time. I kept telling him through the screen calm down, Chuck. Jesus, you're looking terrible right now, but he just he reached his boiling point. And in front of his ex-wife too, man, that was nuts. Jimmy flew Rebecca in to throw throw him off to throw Chuck off and it, it worked. So, I don't know how Chuck's going to come out of this. He just his final moment within that courtroom just proved to everyone how deeply jealous of jimmy chuck has always been and it's so sad that he's never been able to work those things out with his brother or get over it he's just gonna keep on trying to follow jimmy in this downward spiral but now that he's had this mental breakdown in front of everyone it's been documented People have seen it. People is going to read about it. Everyone around him is going to tell him to slow down. So in the previews for next week's episode, someone says Saul Goodman at the end of the preview. So I'm wondering if Jimmy has to pull some more chicanery <laughs> to help him in this case so that he doesn't lose his license to practice law. I don't know. I'm hoping we get more of Mike next week. I'd like to see more Mike, more Gus. My dad complained to me that Mike's story is a little too slow for him, and he didn't like it, but I enjoy it. I think the slow burn of the show is, it's a fun ride. Can't wait for next week. So that is it for today. I am headed to... <sighs> binge on master of none hopefully i'll be done by this weekend but i'll be back to talk about what i thought of master of none as always let me know what you guys think i'd love to hear your thoughts oh by the way guys i do have another podcast by the name of adventures with callie alley available on itunes if you haven't had a chance to check it out please do it is loads of fun again you can tweet me at callie alley alley so until next week uh talk to you guys soon bye